Hey, what's up, guys? Today's the first day of episode one, Bars Loaded Podcast. You down with the GPP? Nez Hoover here with Mr. NFP, Jordan Chavez, and intern Luke, a.k.a. Cruel Hand Luke. Hey, hi, guys. So uh, we got, got a cool show for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be talking about GPP and how to implement it in your training. What is GPP and, you know, who should be using it? So uh, first, I want to go around and kind of give a background on some of us. My name's uh, Matthew Chavez, a.k.a. Nez Hoover. Um, I've trained powerlifting for about eight years, competing in a strongman. Uh, I guess you wouldn't really call competing in CrossFit scale division doing no. <laughs> burpees no. for six minutes. but no. Definitely not competitive. Not, not competitive CrossFit. Just want, want to get out there and make a fool of myself. But then we got Jordan Chavez, Mr. NFP. How's it going, guys? Uh, Jordan Chavez here, uh, one of the head trainers at Zia Strength Systems. And I'm powerlifted for about eight years, been tra- testing the waters in CrossFit the past two years. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And it's definitely a new experience, definitely something I enjoy. Hey guys, Luke Aragon here. I'm the intern at ZS Strength Systems. I'm new to powerlifting. I've uh, only competed one time, but I've came down to Zia to learn from some of the guys that. Uh, you look up to us, Luke. Yeah, that's it. Hey, look up to fo- you guys. Followed us. Got a couple of heads in here that caught your attention. Right. Some something along those lines, right? Well, yeah. Want to train? You're done training with Skipper. And yeah. done, done training with Skipper and the boys in the garage. All of us have a baseball background, college baseball, played all over the country. So, um, you know, former athletes and all started, all kind of came back together lifting weights. So, I mean, it's, it's something we all enjoy. It. I feel like a lot of people in our field we're an ex-athlete of some sort and you always need a something to go back to that's competitive because i feel like once you're a competitive athlete at at a level at the collegiate level like you never really lose that that sense of wanting to compete right that competitive drive will follow you for the rest of your life sure i'll be in the retirement home someday Playing darts or something like grabbing that. Grabbing nurses' asses. Grabbing, grabbing ass and trying to touch butt. Yeah, touch butt with the old ladies in the park. <laughs> so the first uh, topic question we have for today is what is GPP? Well, I guess it started off, you know, general physical preparedness. We use GPP a lot here at the gym. One of our coaches, Coach G, is pretty influential in that, putting together the programming for that, whooping everyone's asses. And uh, GPP basically, you know, is priming the muscles and the movements for athletes, you know, not only for health, but, you know, to be prepared for on the field because you, you really can't replicate the field or the ring or the court, you know, in the gym. But what you can do is prime the muscles to be ready for that situation when we come. And I think GPP kind of allows you to add that extra volume in your training without overtraining. 
Yeah, I, I definitely like it for the fact of being able to overload your entire body at one point or another, or you're able to utilize your entire body. It's It makes it a lot easier for you to do it multiple times. Like, for instance, there's times we'll do it anywhere four to six times a week here. And it's something that I've learned that an individual muscle group isn't really going to get so taxed to the point where you're not going to be able to train up to capacity the following day. But it definitely allows you to overemphasize more volume and help increase your work capacity as a different athlete, whether you're an endurance athlete or anyone from track to fighting to crossfit to powerlifting to strongman it well that's like uh, i was talking yesterday to one of our guys josh skurzy in the gym he came in and you know his lifts weren't very impressive and you know he's added a lot to his training and he just finished that marathon and we were talking about you know the marathon he had like seventy thousand steps or whatever it was and people don't think about it this way but that's seventy thousand reps in, you know, in one given time rather than over a, a week or two week period you do that all in one day like it's gonna definitely tear down the body well and, and he was saying like it wasn't even so much his muscle group but it, he had like this sharp pain in his knee like 13 miles in and it's just the joints aren't prepared for that you know now how do you really prepare for running 26 miles other than running 26 miles you know but i guess uh you know that's that's where you got to try to find out where you want to take your training and how to develop it you know and how, to what you do and how serious you really want to take these activities i guess that we all participate in it's one of those things that yeah you got a guy that wants to do crossfit and then if you want to go do a marathon, well, marathon's completely different sport. So I think to an extent, CrossFit has definitely opened up the door to allow people to do a lot more different things. But still, to the getting your body prepared for a marathon, just doing CrossFit definitely won't... Well, have direct carryover. I, I think. I think I that's. Think it, I think it won't make it to the point where it's going to be okay. I've been doing CrossFit for six months. I know I could run a marathon. Well, I think that's the same thing where people do just CrossFit for training for another sport. CrossFit is its own sport. Like, yeah, and you I can't agree. do everything. You know that CrossFit has to offer to train for football. You, that's like, you know, training for football to be a bowler. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I, I feel like when we do this GPP and I lack in it, you know, as a power lifter, you know, the whole thing was big, fat, immobile power lifters, and that's not the case anymore. These guys are explosive and they're, they're athletes. Yeah, great shape. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of things a lot of these people don't realize is – when you are doing a full competition like your body goes through a lot with nine maximal efforts each day 
And so, or each competition, excuse me. And they don't realize that most of the time in the gym, they're doing three maximal efforts if they're getting ready or something uh, that's pretty heavy if they're going heavy or they're doing a little volume day. But they're only doing one lift. They're never to the point where they're doing a maximal effort squat then they're going over to a maximal effort bench so and then by the time most of them excuse uh, my my dogs get a little antsy there she is there she is want to get some love on the podcast Zara Zara Gaines there you go that's me oh but uh I mean how, how do you feel like your GPP coming over to powerlifting. Uh, GPP keeps you in good shape. So being in good shape, you can recover. And when you're doing your program and you want to add more volume or work at a higher intensity and you can't recover, you're not going to be able to excel. So that is why you need GPP. Well, and I agree with you there because you have to remember like, People say, oh, well, I'm starting to adapt to my training, so I want to add this, but their GPP is non-existent, so most of them try adding a little extra volume, all of a sudden they're wrecked, and the rest of their week goes to you end up, a terrible, well, you terrible end up spending, week of training. Spending your wills. Yeah, so like they, it's really hard to add volume whenever your body isn't ready for it. And most people fall under the category where they're not ready to add volume, even though their programming is subpar. And then they end up standing there looking in the mirror, wondering what's going wrong with their programming, while uh, John next to him is over here excelling. Well, little damn Daniels whooping their ass. Yeah. W- wondering why you get... Uh, these new kids that have been doing activity, whether it's athletics or their dad's been uh, riding them outside pulling weeds their entire life, wonder why they're excelling more in the gym than someone that's been sitting down playing video games their entire life. Well, I think that goes back to like, uh, I forget who said it, but somebody said something, you know, back in the day, kids grew up on farms bailing hay and Lifting stuff all Lifting the time. Lifting stuff all the time. But now it's... And now <laughs> kids freaking growing up. Now, being, Well, now it's frowned upon to do any type of lifting because kids... Playing Call of Duty every day. <laughs> what do you play, Luke? Yeah, Call of Duty, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto. I fall into that category, unfortunately, but I'm trying to make a change in my life. Pick up you some can, GPP. You can, you can do it, Luke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's something that I, I say you don't have to do. Like, you have to stray away from. Like, doing it's fine. The problem is you have uh, these parents out there that think it's okay for their kid to be sitting down playing video games all day and putting eight hours in in front of the TV screen. And then they wonder and, why they're on the bench. Yeah, they wonder why, oh, well, he said he's doing really good in practice, but he's riding the pine. But his coach doesn't want to play him. I'm going to play the kid that can't walk into the gym and can't do a damn push-up. 
we, we put a helmet on the kid and he's stumbling around like he's never felt any weight on his neck before. Hey, well, now I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's definitely something that I feel like with the the this generation has developed this sense of entitlement because ever since they're younger all they they didn't have to worry about going outside to figure something out parents always provided them with a video game provided them with some sort of distraction to where they're immobile and they're just sitting there all day rather than before video games were very popular people were outside running around they're uh, fighting with their cousins they were playing baseball in the grandma's backyard oh that's it is GPP needed more now than ever? I think it's definitely needed more now because if you look at it, like if you're not having these kids do something, like even putting aside bare minimum 30 minutes to an hour a day, then what are they going to do? Most of them that are just sitting down and aren't involved in a extracurricular sport. I mean, you're working with younger athletes now right i mean where do you see their deficiencies coming in you know even if they are good athletes you know they all have deficiencies in their hips you know they have weak backsides weak backsides weak back weak hamstrings i mean i wrote i I wrote about a kid who came in and had done superhero training 101 supposedly from his dad and the kid came in and i started you know trying to evaluate the kid and he couldn't even could barely hold he, a he push-up barely, position yeah, he, he couldn't, couldn't even do it, it. he struggled doing bear crawls literally collapsing literally collapsing all over the side can't even do a pull-up one pull-up and it's not like he's a big fat kid either you know but the, you know apparently he's been su- doing super duper hero Hero wads and you know, but yeah, can't do just a regular squat. How's this kid supposed to perform on the field? You know, I think you could put GPP for any athlete, even you know a non-athlete. So who should use GPP? I think any athlete. You know, I think GPP can be associated and used with every type of athlete from your elite professional athletes to your beginners and young athletes that that start playing soccer and t-ball at the age of five i mean just just seeing it from experience you know being here in albuquerque and seeing some of the fighters and stuff you know some of the best fighters in the world and you see some of these guys who are great fighters but athletically they're, they're deficient and i think it's Partially because MMA is such a new sport that people don't know how to train for it yet. You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't see anyone doing like isometrics, like stuff like that. And you know, part of the fight is you're trying to hold somebody down or you know hold somebody in a position. You know, and if you don't have that, the a lot of static strength. If if it's not there, then well, if you look at why are most of these kids that go into fighting after college that have been wrestling their entire lives why they're successful right away they have that strength of dealing with someone else like well, the relative someone, strength yeah. is through the roof like yeah. that's why the, the wrestlers are the best fighters you know 
typically coming out, you know, there's always exceptions, but, you know, and, you know, training like this, you know, helps any, if you know what you're doing, you know, how to implement. Because we put, put John Jones through this stuff, and when he first came in, his numbers weren't very impressive, and quickly they rose just because he's a great athlete. You know, he's a great athlete, you know. People. Well, I mean, early on, you look at, like, his jumping ability was very minimal because, I mean... Well, he had never jumped. Yeah. People nowadays don't don't have their athletes do what's necessary to be an athlete. And so, like, if you have someone that can't run or jump, how do you expect them to be a very good athlete in any sport, especially at the professional level? I mean, uh, last I think we tested it, John jumped over 50 inches. Yeah. On a when, box when, when he came he first in, it was came. probably 36 inches. Yeah, at most. I think this training, training in the gym is still new for the MMA community, the fight community, because boxing for so long it was, it was frowned upon. It was frowned upon because you get big and bulky, but that's 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 not the case. Bodybuilding training. Right, that's yeah, bodybuilding. So, yeah, it, when you look at a lot of these. Uh, I, I think what MMA coaches, what it reminds me of is like the, the 90s football coach that had the, the lifting experience of a, a PE teacher. I mean, like all they think, all they know is uh, the glory days of Arnold and yeah. looking at, oh, so if you're lifting, all you're trying to do is get bigger, whereas... You look at there's not a, a lot dr- of there's not a direct correlation between muscle size and strength. Yeah, so like it's one of those things where just because you get stronger doesn't mean you lose flexibility. It doesn't mean that you're gonna put on weight. So like I like for me personally, like power movements have I think definitely helped all these fighters just because they're able to get stronger without having to worry about their weight fluctuating too much they're able to develop strength at their current weight and they're still able to make weight just like they've always been able to and especially with how strict their rules are getting on their cut that it makes it even more i think valuable for the fighter to do strength training rather than like a bodybuilding style the way that their coaches think well, and they, I, I think, they would you know, do. it's still a young sport, so, you know, it's growing and the training out there, you know, there's so much stuff out there right now, it's ridiculous. Trying to decipher through all the bullshit, what's really working, what's not. But I think, like, GPP is huge for, like, an asymmetrical sport like baseball. Yes. Where you only throw with one arm. Most guys only hit from one side. Right. You only make left-hand turns. You know what I mean? Like you're, so, you're always doing the exact same repetitive movement. So there's so, deficiencies in that. Like GPP can help counteract that to help develop a turning right, to help the left side, to help the rotation of the opposite direction that they hit. Like it, I think that definitely has a carryover to keeping your athletes healthy and keeping them as a complete athlete rather than breaking down from overuse. You guys have been coaching for years. What is your experience with GPP and 
What can you do to increase your GPP? I guess it's developed and it's gotten a lot better over the years. More and more we've experimented with it. But we've been training high school athletes since, I think, like 2007. You know, and we put those out. We, we had a group of baseball players. Jordan was one of them. And we put that group of baseball players through this type of training and with a lot of GPP, sled pulling, and tire stuff flips, like, tire cake flips, stuff throws, like that. cake carries, farmer you know, walks. And we put them through that through a summer. It was the hardest working group I've ever seen. But they they went from 12 home runs as juniors in their junior season to 58 their senior year. And I'm not saying, you know, that that's a tribute to them, but as well, but the work that they put in in the weight room was you know. second to none. I, I had been I had been around a lot of different groups, and even through college years, there was I, that entire group had just bought into becoming a better athlete, and in, all in all, it led to. A, each individual from the guy that was a role player to the starting lineup being able to contribute regardless. And I think whenever uh, someone is able to develop their abilities, they have that much more confidence going into whatever activity there is. Now, granted, a lot of people will have uh, an outside... uh, outside influence where they have people telling them, oh, no, you're doing something wrong. Well, most of these people have next to none, if not zero experience with strength training, with GPP, with any sort of fitness, so to speak, experience at all. Well, I mean, you know, looking back, like, how do you feel like as a baseball player, you could have been better had you implemented some of these techniques sooner in your training? I mean, you didn't start doing this stuff until after you are done playing, right? Right. That was uh, the downfall in my short baseball career was uh, <laughs> just being strong enough to get the ball out of the infield and being able to run and be explosive at the same time. I didn't have any sort of strength and conditioning as a kid and that uh, ultimately led to the end of my career <laughs> to your demise to my demise <laughs> well yeah and i think that's a that's a it's a problem with a lot of these different these different uh, athletes is that they're the glass ceiling that they're hitting is a lot lower than it could be if they're implemented and if they're able to get the proper training early enough. Find a, find a, a gym locally to, even if you're doing your own thing, you really don't have a, a clue what you're doing. At least go in there, you're getting some more work done. It'll, impl- it'll add to your GPP and then once you these people take the initiative to become more active and have a better better GPP base 
then they will be able to really see like what they could do in sport in whatever activities they they enjoy what are examples of what you do for gpp mine could definitely get a lot better you know trying to step it up a little bit what was about a month ago i jumped in with coach gerard and jordan and we did what three miles yeah it was three miles uh one was pulling the sled we're breaking it up into 400-meter segments. 400 meters. Sled, carrying the safety squat bar, put, uh, pushing the wheelbarrow, and carrying a 30-pound med ball. And we would rotate those three you know, three the, times through. and Three times each. Switching I was murdered every, after that. Switching every 400 meters, and that was definitely a 70-minute a experience that I did. That's still burnt into my memory. Well, and I mean, you know, not every GPP session needs to be 70 minutes long. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, that was, that, was, that, was, that was an extreme case. That was an that extreme. That most of them are probably 10 to 20, 10, 30 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah, 10, just, 15 minutes is, is perfect. You know, just get that extra work, you know, some sled dragging. Some sort of dragging, some like, sort of like, pulling. Like Coach T, you know, says each one of those steps is another rep. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, like, and it's just accumulation of work over time. Right. You know, I, I, I really like the wheelbarrow, you know, loading that thing up, feeling that weight in your hands. Wheelbarrow, I mean, if you don't have access to some of these things, you could take some steps in a pool or use some foam step in some foam with some weight in your hand yeah that like uh pick up a, farmer pick up carries a, are great uh i enjoy farmer carries a lot like i feel like your grip strength can always be better and people are always complaining oh well i i keep uh running into a wall at this point because Pretty much all I'm hearing from is they're not strong enough, but it says, oh, well, I hit my knees and uh, I'll send the ball. The bar falls out of my hand or I'm at lockout, but I can't quite lock it out because they're too weak to lock it out. And then the bar falls out of their hand. I'm, I feel like the bar should never fall out of your hand. I think too many people this day and age wants to use straps rather well, than that too, actually hold the bar. they're afraid to grip the bar. A lot of people are holding it in their fingertips instead of holding it, you know, in their hand. I think people are content with their grip strength being a weakness. Well, and it, it sucks tearing up your hand, so unless you get past that thought, you know. Yeah. But Luke makes a good point that, you know, not everyone has access to sleds and not everyone has access to, you know, all this equipment. But, I mean, you can... You could do it with anything. You can go like, to a park and walk in, in the sand and pick up pick up a rock that's you know 40 pounds or even uh i know everyone probably owns some sort of bag or backpack at their house grab a couple books or a bunch of magazines that are collecting dust and wait wait that backpack down wait that bag down and then go walk for a mile go walk for a quarter mile i mean just depending even if your gpp is very minimal and you go, you load up a backpack, you walk 50 meters, you have to take a break. 
walk another 50 meters, keep doing it till you reach your 400 meters. Or, or, or grab an old yeah. car tire. Yeah, grab. Put, put, a, put a rope or a chain around it and go for a walk. Right. It's okay to break up the pattern, you know, get some sun on your back. It's all right to leave the gym and get some work done outside. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I'm a firm believer in uh, everyone getting a little sun. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, is there anything else you guys want to add, you know, to our discussion of GPP, you know? I think the only thing I want to add is make sure we're getting these kids out out of the house, turn off the TV, let them go play basketball, let them go run up and down the hill in your backyard, let them go, like, get outside and just be active. Well, you know, there's a lot of programs like that, like, the NFL play 60 or whatever it is. Yeah. Just play for 60 minutes. Yeah, you know? like, just, just do something. I, th- I feel like there's way too much emphasis on on these young athletes staying inside and when there needs to be more emphasis on them uh, getting outside and getting a little sun on their back. Anything you want to add, Luke? This is your, your first time on, on, on the podcast. So. All right, first time talking to a Pop that cherry. phone like this. Uh, if I could just add anything, I would just advise even for you lifters who are in the gym strictly doing barbell movements, GPP wouldn't be a bad idea. It helps you re- recover. It helps you add more to what you're already doing. It's it's uh, If you're not doing it, I mean, you're only uh, hurting yourself in the long run. All right, well, this has been a good first run through it. Uh, it's Coach Nez here. You can... Um, you can find me on Facebook, Matthew Chavez, or MySpace. On my, <laughs> on MySpace. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't even know if that's still around. Is it, it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Luke <laughs> knows. Oh, yeah. You can find me on uh, Instagram, Nez Hoover, Nez underscore Hoover. Uh, you could also contact us at Zia underscore NFP. And or myself, uh, Mr. NFP, Mr. Underscore NFP, on Instagram. I would suggest you just contact either of them if you need any more information. Was it cruel hand Luke? Look him up. Um, we got the worst social media game right now, but you know we're trying to step it up. Yeah, I'm trying to improve it. He's got about 37 friends on Facebook, so <laughs> so and that's it, guys, and we'll call that one a wrap.